to Matthew chapter 6. This is not the message. This is just an introduction because I, I want to go to John chapter 8. But I think we need to start here in chapter 6 because, because the disciples came to Jesus and said, they could have asked him all kinds of things, but they asked him because they saw him getting results. He said, they said, show us how to pray. Teach us how to pray, Jesus. And then, and then in verse 9, he says, after this manner. And so, by the way, he's not saying pray that prayer. I know we do it. We've been doing it in the church for years and years and years. But that's not what he's talking about. He said, this is the pattern for your prayer. Because I've been in religious places where, you know, and you have to. Uh, you know, you, it's it's time to close the service, and so you're going to pray. So you're going to join hands, and you're going to say, but now you're going to change your voice too. But now you're not talking to a person anymore. Now you're talking to God, so you feel like you need to change your language. Hey, talk to him. You don't have to go, Oh, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be. You don't have to do that. It's Papa God, if you like. And again, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing that. I'm saying that religious people use it to close out meetings. So after this manner, therefore, pray. So this is, what, this is what he hit the disciples with, because the disciples knew God as the judge. And an austere God on a stone throne with a, a bat ready to club you if you broke one of the commandments. They called their father Abraham, they called their father Moses, but they never ever would think of calling God their father. And so Jesus said, I want to teach you something right up front. He's your father, and he's not like your earthly father. He's, he's the, what your earthly father should have been or could have been. He, because he is love, he is the perfect father. Absolutely perfect father. He's the one that would have been there cheering you on when you were at a sports event. He's the one that would have been encouraging you when you weren't doing all that well in school. He, he's the perfect father. Now, many people haven't experienced that, but this is who he is. Our father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Where? In earth, not on earth, in me. Let your kingdom come in me. Let your will be done in me. You want to treat me like I'm already there with you. You don't want to hit me. You don't want to bounce me. You want me to pray. Your will be done in my life. What is his will? God is love. What is his will? Ephesians 1, 3. I've already blessed you with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. I'm for you. I will now think about what he said in Hebrews uh, 13 and verse 5. He said, I will never leave you. So if you have abandonment issues, you need to know that your heavenly father never left you. And he said, I will never forsake you. God is on my side. I will not fear, he said. What man can do unto me? He said, I can boldly declare God is on my side. My father. Romans 8, 17. Romans 8, 15. We call him Abba, father. Come on, Abba, father. Dad. Does that mean I don't respect his position? This created the universe? Of course not. 
Hallelujah, our Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And so on. I don't want to get any further into that. You know how it goes. But realize that this is a daily position that you have, that you, that you have an audience with your Father. Hebrews 4.16 says that you can come boldly unto the throne room of grace to obtain mercy. Mercy is for what you've just done. And grace, for that, that covers what you're going to do. <laughs> come boldly unto the throne room of grace to obtain mercy, to find grace. Not when you get it all together on Sunday morning, but to help you in your time of need. He's saying you can come boldly because you're family. You have access. Come on, that's, that's Ephesians 3. 11. And he said we have boldness and, and, and access and confidence that we can do this. And, and, and then he goes on to pray that prayer in Ephesians 3. But it's so powerful to, that you need to know that you've got a dad. That you, you ladies, you can go sit on his knee just like you were a little girl. You can go sit on his knee. You're not going to say, what are you doing in here? No, maybe your earthly father was ugly. I don't know. Maybe you didn't have one. I remember feeling sad for myself because I grew up without parents. And then I started pastoring a church, meeting kids that did have parents. <laughs> was not always pretty. I thought, wow, the Waltons don't exist. <laughs> Good night, John Boy. Good night, Jim Boy. Good night, John Boy. <laughs> 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 Go to sleep for a club you to death. No, no, that, no, no. I have a friend, Pastor Nathaniel Wolf. He had to sleep with a forty-five under his pillow to protect himself from his father. I mean, you know, come on, <laughs> that's serious business. <laughs> I think his father finally did get shot, but I don't think he did it. So, <laughs> anyway, let's go to John chapter eight. That's where I really want to want to start out here. After this manner, pray ye. Amen. Verse 31 is where I wanted to start. He said, then Jesus said to the Jews that believed on him, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. Now, when you, and the reason, that's why I wanted to read the father part first. Because in order to be a disciple, you need to know he's your dad. And that he's not a disciplinarian. That you learn... You learn how to serve him, and not from obligation, but out of dedication. See, if I don't know him as father, I'll be obligated to do things. But when I recognize him as my loving dad, I, I can dedicate myself to that. And I can be free to make all the mistakes that any, any child would make with any father, right? Any loving father. And realize that he'll pick me up and cheer me on. See, lots of times I think as Christians, we judge people either on, our, on their best day or on their worst day. <laughs> how, how many of you would rather be judged on your best day? But yet Matthew 7 verse 1 says, judge not lest you be judged, right? So, so don't judge anything at all. Don't judge it. Paul said, I don't judge anything or anybody before the time. I'm just walking out my own, walking out, working out my own salvation with reverence, anticipation, fear, and trembling, and all of that. So he said, he said, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. 
And this, this knowledge, this knowing is the word gnosko. And it doesn't mean learned, it means proven. So it's not something that you've got in your head. It's something that you've tested and found that it works. Proven. And, you know, and so really, he said, as you continue, you'll know the truth. And the more truth, you know, the freer you become. But while you're going through the process, character is being developed, right? And I found that character is best developed by completing willingly, by, by willingly completing unwanted assignments, right? No, no, I, I, you know, it follow the leaders easy as long as, you, as long as you're in agreement. <laughs> but what happens to you when you move out of that? I, I, you know, I was talking yesterday with, we, we went up to Whistleberry Market. It's outside in Glasgow. It's a Mennonite place where you, you can buy really good meat and brisket and smoked bacon and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, we went up there. We went up there yesterday afternoon. Usually I don't go anywhere on a Saturday. But I had this unction to go. And I mentioned it to Nancy, and Nancy said, I was just thinking of that place. And, and on the way up, I was driving up thinking, I should call Bob and Diane Ring. They live really close there. Anyway, I didn't do it. So we got in there, and I'm over standing, waiting in the bathroom. No, waiting to get in the bathroom. And I looked over, and there's Bob and Diane sitting there with the elders of their church, man. It was too cool. Too cool. How, how God can direct your steps like that. But what was my point in bringing that up? Following the lead. Following the lead. Okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> But, but that was not a, that was not a, an unwanted assignment running into them. An unwanted assignment is like you know you, you, you somebody God asks you to do. Have you ever noticed that when God asks you to do something that you you'll get around to it, right? But when you ask Him to do something, you want it right now. Isn't that funny? Like He'll kind of. He'll kind of he'll sit back sometimes and say, well, you? "Be swift to hear, slow to speak, quick to obey." Anyway, so he says here, "When you'll know the truth, the truth will make you free." Verse thirty-six: The Son, therefore, if He makes you free, you will be free indeed. That's the word eulothero, and it means the right to choose. It means the right to live and to rule. So what he's saying is when you get to that place where you know the truth, you take charge of your life. It's kind of like Romans 8, 17, that when you receive the gift of grace and righteousness, the gift of righteousness and the grace, you'll reign in life by one Christ Jesus, God wants you to reign. Again, it's, it's like it's Hebrews 2.10. He came to restore many captains. The, the captain of our salvation came to restore us back to glory. Back to glory is back to the original intention for man. What is the original intention for man? That you would have dominion over the, over the earth. That you'd subdue it. That you'd be fruitful and multiply. It's not just in kids. That's everything that we do should be fruitful and should be multiplying. It's like the church. You watch the church. The church is about to multiply. 
because it's going to be noised abroad that he's in the house, that miracles and signs and wonders are becoming are going to are going to st- strike like a fire, like the fire of God is going to hit the church, the church. This 2021 is a year of great victory. It's going to be a great victory for you. Claim it for yourself. Don't say, well, we'll just wait and see if that. No, claim it. It's God's desire for you. Thanks be to God who always gives us, always gives, that means 2021, always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, I always cause you to triumph. So it doesn't matter what's going on, you win. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you're the winner. I watched a part of a football game last night, but I already knew the score. I, I, I had been to the end before the beginning. Right? I wait. I, I went. I said, I'm going to watch 20 minutes of football before I go to bed. And I fast forwarded to all the highlights and uh, knowing what the outcome was already because I'd read it on my phone. So I'm just saying I had a God's eye view. This will give you a God's eye view. This will tell you what's happening next. You know, in the prophets, he said, I do nothing unless I speak to my prophets. A lot of people have given up on the prophets because they think they miss God. Wait, it's not over. (laughs) Not even close to being over. Why? Because the best is yet to be. Okay, let's go over to Genesis 22. Because God spoke to my heart the other day, I don't know, a few weeks ago, and said, worship and warfare. Worship is warfare. Worship is warfare, but worship is interesting because so uh, you look it up and the first time that it's ever used in the Hebrew language, there is a law of first reference. So anytime you find the word and find out the first time that it's used, it it ties through the whole Bible. It's kind of like in Genesis 31 when we talked about God's glory and we found out that Laban's glory was all of his wealth, everything that he had. And so that first time it's used, when God says, I'm going to give you my glory, he's saying it's heavy and it's weighty and it's everything that I have, everything that I, everything that I see and everything that I can do, I, I want, I'm loading it up on you. And according to your faith, it'll be done unto you. How much can you believe God for? See, what do you want to believe God for? Don't, don't you want to believe that you're carrying the anointing? the gifts of the Spirit to the place. The Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 talks about they fell behind in no gift. They had the gifts of the Spirit in operation. People were getting healed and saved and set free and filled with the Holy Ghost all the time to the point where they didn't want the Word. And so Paul had to come and correct them and say, hey, you know, you just can't, you know, the Holy Ghost is not just about goosebumps and feel good anointing. It's about the power of God to operate and deliver and set people free. And so when he's talking about the glory, he's saying, my glory shall be seen upon you. Isaiah chapter 60 says, my glory shall be seen upon you. But then he tells you the purpose. The kings and influential people will be drawn to the anointing. That your heart will reverence and be enlarged because the abundance of the sea, the Gentiles' nations, will be converted onto the church. Come on, Jesus, before he left, he said, baptizing nations in my name. You think you've seen anything? Baptizing nations in my name. 
This is the day we're moving into. Come on, this is come on, this is it. Anyway, in Genesis chapter 22, I think it's the most read chapter in the Torah for sure, and the least understood by the Hebrew people, but it's called the Korban Olah. And actually Akeda is a is a burnt sacrifice. A Korban Olah is a burnt sacrifice, right? Akeda is the burnt offering. And so and so here we are in verse chapter 22 and verse 1. And we have a friend approaching a friend. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt. Okay, you need to underline that and read James 1.13. Let no man say when he's tempted, tested, or tried that he's tempted with evil. For with evil God tempts no man. So the test is, the test, the test was not, that it's kind of like in school, I always thought the test was for the teacher. How many of you thought that? <laughs> and then you realize, no, knucklehead, the test is for you, so that you can locate where you are. So, so the test came, and, and then it says here, he said, and he said unto Abraham, and he came to tempt Abraham, and he said unto him, Abraham, he said, behold, here I am. And I like to point this out each time because it's he nani in the Hebrew. He nani. And it's, it's, it's a word of, I'm, I'm totally yours. Command ye me. What, whatever you want. He nani, I'm here. He said, take now your son, your only son that you love and get to the land of Moriah and offer him up here, there as a burnt offering, as a korban Allah upon one of the mountains, which I will show you. That's we got to go back to John chapter eight. Keep your finger there. Stick a ribbon there. Turn your, get there however you can. Your iPad, your iPhone, your, John chapter 8. Yeah, I left, out, I left out the best part. It's got nothing to do with the card that Pastor Paul gave me for my birthday either. <laughs> That's not why I forgot the wise guy. <laughs> I'm saving that and sending it back to you on your birthday. Uh, where can we pick it up? Verse uh, 38, he says, if the sun sets you, verse 38, yeah, if, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. That's 36. 37, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me uh, because my word has no place in you. And I speak that which I have seen of my father, and I do which I have seen of my, uh, you do what you have seen of your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the, you would do the works of Abraham. We'll jump over to verse uh, 43. Why do you not understand the speech, even because you cannot hear the word? You are of your father. This is what he said to the Pharisees. You are of your father, the devil. So if he taught them to pray, he would say, our father who art in hell. <laughs> you know, he identified. So, so be, just because you're born on this planet does not make you a child of God. 
But we're children of God by faith. Yes, you're a creation of God, but God is definitely... If you look at what's going on in the world today, you know that these people are not Christians, nor do they want to be. He said, well, let's just read the rest of this because you need to know. He was, Satan was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no, look at this, there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So anytime you hear a voice saying you're not going to make it, the Holy Ghost is called the comforter. Satan is called in the book of Revelation, the accuser of the brethren. The one that accused Job before God, that, that one. And he still works that way today. So when he tells you that you're not going to get through this time, you can laugh. Because he's, he can't, there's, no, there's no truth in him, the Bible says. But now I want to get down to, um, I want to get down to verse uh, 56. Because this is Jesus talking now. He's 33 years old at the time. And he's saying to these Pharisees, he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and he was glad. Rejoice is agaleo and it means to celebrate. It, it means to celebrate the birth at the conception. Like, like when, they, when, when Elizabeth got pregnant, the baby wasn't born, but they celebrated the birth of John the Baptist, right? Because the Hebrew people know that, that life begins at conception so that when you're born into this earth, when you break through the womb, you're already nine months old, right? So, so he's saying here, he rejoiced before, he, before conception. He rejoiced, that's Luke one fifty eight. He rejoiced to see before, my, before conception, or at, at conception rather, to see. And that word to see, I'm going to give it to you, it's Hina, H-I-N-A. And it means in order to see. So the first thing that you learn from this verse is you, re, re, you rejoice in order to see. You don't rejoice because you see. Like when you read the promises of God, you rejoice before conception. And then you'll see. So you got to get the rejoicing part right. Like anybody can praise the Lord at the other side of the Dead Sea. What you need to learn is to rejoice the Lord when you're standing at that Red Sea. Rejoice beforehand. And like I say, anybody can sing afterwards. But faith people, faith people rejoice before it happens. So he said, to see in order to see. And then it says he saw, and that's the word Edo. It means to be sure of and to understand. So what he's saying is that after 30, you know, you talk about the father of faith, Abraham. He rejoiced to see. And then he saw, what did he see? He saw a naked. He saw God become a man. And take on flesh. He saw that man walk the earth, put away his deity and walk the earth as a human. And then he saw him drug away to Mount Moriah, the same place he's going to take his son. And saw him drug up and nailed to a tree. The nakedness, the whipping and the beating and the crown of thorns and all of that. 
He saw it. And if you ever see it, you'll never be the same either. No, no, if, I know you, you'll acknowledge it, but I'm saying if you ever see it, if you ever see it for yourself, the agony and the pain and, and, the, and the grief and, and the fourth thing that he said from the cross was the most agonizing thing. He called him father right up until then. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the answer is to get to you. And so I saw it one day real clear. I saw that I was the one that was supposed to be nailed to that tree. Somebody took my place so that I could live. I, I can't even imagine being naked in front of a large crowd of people, let alone, you know, uh, totally humiliated and, and beaten on and, and shredded to pieces. Read Psalm 22 one time. David wrote that. David saw prophetically what happened at Calvary better than the people that were there. He said, my bones all stare at me. The skin was ripped right off his flesh. David saw that. Isaiah saw it. He himself bore my sickness, carried my pain. The chastised my peace was laid upon him, and by those stripes I'm healed. The revelation of that will change your life forever. Forever. There's no room for And that's what Abraham saw. He rejoiced to see my day. And then when he saw it, he was glad because it's not going to happen to me. He was glad because he knew he was a sinner, saved by grace. Hallelujah. He wasn't born again either, Abraham. He saw, he saw uh, what he saw was not a, a good picture. But what he saw past was, then he saw the redemption. Because once he saw the redemption, he realized, hey, God's going to require me. It's, listen, it's always your move, okay? It's always your move. And God is saying, Abraham, in order for me to give my son, you're going to have to give yours. I don't have legal authority in the earth to get my son there. I gave legal authority to Adam, and Adam committed high treason and gave it to Satan. And Satan has a 6,000-year 6, lease on this earth, and I can't do anything except in cooperation with humans. Yes, I'm sovereign, but I gave my sovereignty away. And then he gave it away a second time in Matthew chapter 28. He said, all authority has been given back to me, and now, now go ye therefore. He gave it right back to man. Hallelujah. So Abraham saw that, and it impacted his life to the point that Genesis 22 became a reality. Look at that. I can see. Hallelujah. He said, take your son whom you love. For God so loved the world that he gave us only. Now I'm asking you, Abraham, to give your only first. Take him to the land of Mount Moriah. That's Calvary. And offer up a burnt offering upon one of the mountains I'll tell you of. And Abraham rose up early. It's the word Shechem, and it also it means complete submission. He got up early in the morning. Now he had 318 employees. But it says he got up in the morning and saddled his ass. 
It, like he wouldn't like, no, but if you'll watch the chosen, some of these things that you watch, it shows, maybe it's not chosen, but one of those movies showed Abraham all fretty and all scared and, and nervous. And what am I going to do? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he got up early in the morning and he said, I and the lad are going yonder. Now, now look at this to worship. This is the first time the word was used. So I wrote in my margin what some men call sacrifice, other men call worship. And so you worship the Lord with your lifestyle. You worship the Lord with your finances. You worship the Lord by going to church. You find out, hey, if I, if I tithe my Sunday to the Lord, he'll bless the rest of my week. Everything is, starts that way with the seed. Genesis 8.22, as long as the earth remains, summer, winter, cold, and heat, day, night, seed, time, harvest, time. Plant a seed to meet any need that you have. You can plant a seed. If you need a friend, go be friendly. Right? It's not mysterious. Nobody likes me. Nobody wants to hang around me. Well, maybe it's because you should put a little grin on your grill, and maybe somebody would approach you a little bit. But when you sit there looking like you were baptized in pickle juice, it might make people nervous to approach you. So that's all. So I, I and the lad are going yonder to worship, and look at this. This is how faith talks, and to come again unto you. We're going to go do this, and then we're coming back. And they're on an ass because Zechariah 9.9 in Matthew 21.5 says the Messiah will come riding on an ass's colt. So again, it's Scripture being fulfilled here. And then in verse 6, it says, And he took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon his son. That's the cross of Calvary. Laid the burnt offering on his son. Laid the wood for the burnt offering on the son. And he took the fire in his hand. Now, they, they didn't have uh, Zippo lighters. They carried fire in a pot. They carried a fire pot with hot coals in it, and that's how they started the fire from place to place. So somebody's job was to carry the fire. I don't think they carried on their head because it would probably get hot. But, but, but he said you could heap coals of fire on somebody's head when you pray for them. So maybe that's how they, I don't know. Anyway, it says, and, 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 and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spoke unto Abraham, his father, and said, my father. He said, I'm right here, son. He said, I see the, <laughs> you know, this guy's 30 years old, 25 or 30 years old now. He's not a little boy like it shows in the pictures. He's a grown man. And so he, how many of you know his faith is going to have to be activated too, right? <laughs> he said, hey, Dad, I see the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Well, in John one twenty nine, John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He was identified by the priest way, back in, way up in John chapter 1. But Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself put a period right there. God will provide himself as a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they both went on together and they came to the place that God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac. Now this Corban, Allah, the thing about it too, is it was disqualified if it moved. If it could wiggle and move, it was a disqualified sacrifice. So when it says he bound him and laid, laid, laid him on the altar of wood, it was a it was like being nailed to the cross, no way to move. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to lay it on his son. And you know what happened next. Don't lay your hand upon the boy. And I like verse 13, and Abraham lifted eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. 
his horns, his authority, and his ability. It's the type of the Lord Jesus being caught in your sin and caught in my sin. And Abraham and took the ram and offered himself up as a burnt, offered up a burnt offering instead of his son. It's so powerful that God had provided himself as sacrifice. And it was that ram caught in the thicket. It was that crown of thorns was nailed over his head. Your sin, my sin was so horrendous. And yet it was covered. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. And look at what, Ab- what, a- what they say about Abraham over here. Hebrews 11. We sometimes call it the Hall of Faith. It's really a list of witnesses in a courtroom proving God's faithfulness. And so when you read these guys, you all need to read these guys. You, you need to check out every one of these guys in this, in this Hall of Faith or this cloud of witnesses. And, and then go read their backstory and find out. It's kind of like what James said about Elijah. He was a man of like passions, just like me, and yet he prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. He's telling you, and how many of you know, if you read the story of Elijah, the guy killed the prophets of Baal one day, and the next day he ran from Jezebel. And so read, these, read the story about these guys, and, you know, you're really thrilled with Abraham now in Genesis 22 because he's offering up his son. But read the 30 years that it took him to get there. Faith is like a muscle. It has to be grown. It has to be exercised. And so when bad things happen to you, it's a great opportunity to use your faith. And each time I was talking, like I said, we ran into Bob and Diane Ring up there in New Glasgow yesterday. And we were talking about pastoring. And, of course, their church is starting to grow now. And they were up there with nobody for several years. I mean, nobody. But they stayed. Matter of fact, Bob last year came to me and he said, I found a scripture. You know, he said where the Lord said he'd dig around it one more year. He said, I'm going to give it one more year. And when he went back and did that, the thing took off. Like he's got four-legged sheep. You know what a four-legged sheep is? People that are working in the church, people that are doing things. They're, they're, they're all healed up, and they got all their legs working again, and so they're being productive. I'm not putting down a three-legged sheep. I'm not saying that everybody's not important. I'm just saying that the goal is to be changed from glory to glory into the image of the Lord, that we should be making progress after after a while, right? And And there's no such thing as... The speed in that, you know, the Bible says that the Bible says the race is not to the swift. So not necessarily the hare that wins, the tortoise can get there if they just precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, and just keep plodding along. So, but anyway, so, so, so I talked to Bob and Diane Ring, and I don't know what my point is for that either. <laughs> Yeah, the Hebrews 11. Well, they're definitely in there. No, there are such witnesses. The devils have been trying to kill him since the day we met him almost. Matter of fact, I remember the day that um, he went in to have his, they were going to operate on his throat, take all the cancer out of his throat, and they told him that he would never be able to make saliva again, that he would never ever be able to meet, eat meat again or any of those kind of things. And uh, when he got out of the hospital, I took him out to the Micmac uh, beverage room and got a mistake. Amen. What do you do? Faith is an action. We acted like the word of God was true. Did he struggle with it? Yeah, he did, but he got it down. 
And now he's eating just as fine as he can be. But now he's had other things that he had to deal with. I guess the point is, whenever you step out in faith, you're always going to be dealing with. How many of you are not dealing with anything right now? Just wave your hand at me. If there's nothing, nothing negative that you have to overcome. I was going to say, if you're there right now, enjoy the moment. No, no, we're saying it's a year of victory, but victory doesn't come without a fight. He said, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. There is a fight involved in your life. You cannot lay down and quit. Every day you got to get up. Every day get up and put on the whole armor of God. Right? And then and after having done all stand, you're not you're not fighting a physical fight. Really, the best thing I think that that I have learned and I learn all the time still, having <laughs> got all cased, is Ephesians two six. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ. So when I take my seat of authority, I realize the devil can't touch me there. Seated in heavenly places in Christ. So I can live, live here on the earth and live in my flesh and find out in Romans 8, 5 that my flesh is hostile to the things of God. Or I can, uh, I can do Romans 8, 1. There's no condemnation to them there in Christ Jesus. I can go up there and sit down boldly into the throne room of grace and, and, and uh, the king makes decrees and watch them come to pass. So the fight is not physical. Did we ever get to Hebrews chapter 11? How about verse, uh, oh, this whole thing is about it. There's several verses here about Abraham, but I just want to pick it up in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. That he, and look at this, that he had received the promise, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall your seed be called, accounting that God was, look at this, this is what he believed, accounting that. Now, what do you believe in today? Come on. No, no, but you can, because, because Abraham is, come on, any man be in Christ. He's Abraham's seed, right? And heirs of the promise. You, you can attain this too. This is available to you. If it wasn't available to you, he wouldn't have put it in the book. Accounting that he was able to raise him up even from the dead, and he received him in a figure. He said, I just believe that if I fry this kid right here, that God can raise him up. I believe that my bank account right now has all those zeros in it. I just believe God that he's able to, that, that, that Genesis 1-3 is there and that he's already blessed me with all the spiritual blessings. I call financial blessing into my bank account now in the name of Jesus. I, healing in my body. By his stripes I was healed and made whole. I call healing in my body right now in the name of Jesus. I call the things that be not as though they were. I speak health to my body. I speak a full and a healthy church. A full and a healthy and a financially free church. Everyone in the church, come on, come on, read Acts chapter 4. It says they got to the place where there were none among them that lacked. There was not a need in the church. And behold, their threatenings are grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. Stretch forth your hand, Lord, to heal. Let signs and wonders be done by the name of the Holy One, Jesus. And when we pray, shake the place where we're assembled together and fill us fresh with the Holy Ghost. Filled fresh with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah.
I remember hearing Kenneth Hagin one time, he was talking about being getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said he decided one day, he was reading in Corinthians chapter 14, that you can pray in tongues anytime you want to. In the Pentecostal church, they didn't teach that. But he said, oh, look, it says right here, I pray in the Spirit and I pray with the understanding. So he said, that's it, I'm going to pray in tongues for an hour. And he got down on his knees, prayed, man, he's praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Thought, wow, it must be an hour now. Ten minutes. <laughs> Any of you ever done that? Come on, ten minutes. So then he prayed. He prayed through the hour. And as soon as he finished praying, the devil said to him, well, you just wasted an hour of your life. So he said, well, then if that's the case, then I'm going to pray for another hour because I'm not taking orders from you. So he, so he, so he prayed another hour. And when he finished, the devil said, uh, you could have been preparing your message for Sunday. You could have been out helping somebody in your church. Instead, you wasted two hours here. The short story is he prayed for over five, I think five and a half hours. He said, but after five and a half, half hours, he, had, he said, I hit that spot where it wasn't me praying anymore. The Holy Ghost was praying through me, and it was so powerful. And he said, after that, he said, once I hit that place one time, he said, I've never had to pray five hours to get through there again. But he said this, the more you pray in the Holy Ghost, he said this, he said, when I pray extensive times in the Holy Ghost, he said, I get financial miracles, as well as signs and wonders in the church. He said, some of you are all out there working 60 and 70 hours a week. And he said, if you'd pray in the Holy Ghost for an hour or two every day, he said, God would catch up with you. Yeah, amen. So just something to ponder. Um, let's go to Psalm 102. I know you're familiar with it. By the way, we acknowledged uh, Justin and Ashton today, but I want to thank everybody that works so hard in here. John and Annette are always back there. Like, I, you, see, but if you start naming people, shoot, you leave people out that you wanted, and then you get home later, then you get home later and say, oh, God, I can't believe I didn't do that. So, okay. Uh, Psalm 102, and we always look at verse 13. But I want to read a little bit further today. Verse 13 well, verse 12, but thou, O Lord, shall endure forever your remembrance unto all generations. You shall arise. And again, when you read this word arise, it's, it's, like, it's like he wasn't paying attention. Like you thought he was not involved in your life. Thou shalt arise and have mercy on Zion. Read Hebrews 12, 22, and you find out that Zion is the church. So you can identify yourself there. So you shall arise, okay, and have mercy upon the church for the time, for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. That set time is a moed. It's an appointed time. There's an appointed time for God's favor to come on the church. And I declare that it's now. And I also like to declare that God never misses an appointment. The set time, the time and the set time, not chronological time, Moedim, an appointed time, the set time has come, for the servants shall take pleasure in her stones and the favor of the dust thereof. Verse 15, so the he, why, why is he rising now? so that the heathen will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth, thy glory. 
Look at verse 16. When the Lord shall build up the church, he shall appear in his glory. So when's he coming back? Everybody waiting on the rapture of the church? Forget it. Unpack your bags. He's, he, he's saying, I'm not going to come back here. I'm not coming back to rescue you. I'm coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And when you leave here, you're coming to a wedding ceremony. You're not leaving tattered and beaten down and bruised. When the Lord shall build up Zion, and there's all kinds of scriptures that will back this up. Read the book of Joel, beginning in verse 23. This is all through the Bible, though. He said, when the Lord shall build up Zion, then he'll appear in his glory. In verse 17, he will regard the prayers of the destitute and not despise their prayer. After the Lord has rebuilt Zion, he will manifest himself in his splendor. He said he's going to give us favor. You know what that means? It means to bow down and to grant unfair, undeserved partiality. It means to promote to prominence. <laughs> How many of you know that's a good thing? God's about to promote his church. No, no, the devil tried to destroy it. God's saying, I'm about to promote it. He said, after the Lord has rebuilt Zion, he will manifest himself in the church in his splendor. Can you back that up in the New Testament? I was hoping you'd ask. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. You know Colossians chapter 3. We'll close here in chapter 3. If you be, verse 1, if you be risen with Christ, again, this is Ephesians 2, 6. He raised us up together and seated us together with him in Christ. If you then be risen with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your intelligence thinking about the things that are above, not the things of the earth. So I'm not caught up in the social media. I'm not caught up in the prophets of Baal and what they're saying. I'm dead and my life is here with Christ in God. But look at the verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, will also appear with him in the glory. The glory of God. Again, it means the death of the old man if we read through the rest of the chapter. But with that in mind, let's go back to Romans chapter 8. We'll close there. <laughs> we will close somewhere today. Yeah. Verse 14, Romans 8. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you're what? Yeah. So you can be a child all your life, but you learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. You're a son of God. But verse 19 tells you what the whole world is waiting for. It's not for to see who's finally going to be the president of the United States. We're talking about the king of the universe here. We're, come on, we're talking about the creator of all. He, he, this is the earnest expectation of the creation. I mean, all of creation is loaded down under sin. The Bible says that the earth is quaking, earthquakes and, you know, diverse places and, and bad weather and all of those kind of things. The earth is loaded down with sin. The earth is a living thing that is loaded down with sin. It says here, for the earnest expectation of the creation waits for what? The church has been here for 2,000 years. Read Hebrews chapter 12 about Zion and find out what, it, what, what he talks about there. But he said, all of creation is waiting for the church to show up. This is what he's saying. Like you, you, can, you can blame whatever's going on in the world uh, on governments and things like that, but it comes to the doorway of the church. It really does. 
It says, for all creation is expecting a manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Verse 21, because the creation itself, the creature itself, shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into, look at this, into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Come on. The kingdom is advancing. And the kingdom is advancing uh, by purpose, by fulfilling purpose, not by supply and needs. Driven by purpose, driven by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. See, because when you neglect the kingdom business, you spend a lot of time trying to fill your own lack. But when you see kingdom business, he said the glory. Let's, let's look at the word glory again, and then we'll stop. Glory is the word in the, in the Greek, it's doxa. And it's majesty, excellence, beauty, power, honor, wealth, royalty. Again, it's Habakkuk 2.14. Surely as I live, he said, my, the, the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth even as the waters covered the sea. Noah's flood covered the sea. But he said, my glory, the knowledge of my glory, revelation of my glory will, will cover the earth. And really, when you, look, when you think about that, you, you read what he's saying here in Romans chapter 8. And life really, life really begins when you start fulfilling his purpose. I use the example all the time I could take, oh, I could take Dana's new Taylor 12-string guitar. What a thing of beauty, what a sound. I could take that and go get a canoe or a kayak or something, and I could paddle down the river. Couldn't I? Right? If, until Dana caught me, of course, and, and the whole deal would be over. <laughs> But how many of you know that's not what the guitar was made for? Until you find out why God made you, you'll be frustrated with your life. When you find out why God made you and then pursue that purpose, instead of pursuing your needs, your needs will be met. That's why he, was, that's why he wrote Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God in his way of doing things, his method of operation. And in, and in all of your ways, acknowledge him. You'll direct your steps. That's not that verse. That verse says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. So he said, don't chase the things. Chase me, and what you need will be added unto you. Don't put me somewhere down on your list. You know, some people make God out of their children. You can make a God out of anything. Anything that you put before God is an idol. That's just harsh reality. I, I, you know, yeah, you love your kids. I understand that. But if your kids stop you from doing the things that God called you to do, then you've got a problem. Again, again, Justin and Ashton are such a good example to me. Well, I can't go now. I've got a lot of kids at home. Well, bring them to church. 
Let them be around the things of the Spirit of God. You know, there's things that you can do. And then, then you know, and I know careers can become idols too, right? Not for anybody here, but maybe somebody watching live stream, you might, you might be, I need to work this. No, what you need to do is plug into God. If you'll plug into God, he promised to meet all of your needs. Come on, Philippians 4.19, meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Not out of his riches and glory. What he's saying is basically saying, everything I have is yours. That's Romans 8.31, everything I have is yours. It's all yours. What do you need? How do I get it, God? How do you get money out of your cash machine? Debit card and a code, right? How do you get things out of the spirit realm? The just shall live by faith. Seek, ask, knock. How do I get it? Well, you put your card in there by faith. You, 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 it's amazing how many things you do during the day by faith. You want some money and you go to the bank and you put your card in. If you didn't come back, you'd be pounding. No, I would be. I don't know what you'd do. You might call somebody. I'd be kicking it and looking at the, at the camera hoping somebody would see me. Of course, I remember times. We don't live there anymore. But I remember times going up to that machine, hoping, dear God, let there be 20 bucks in there. Just let there be 20 bucks. <laughs> remember? What name fine was it? <laughs> we hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.